This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 76. We got two huge guests on this show. Toby caught up with C.J. Abrams at Nationals Park this week. You will hear that quick interview. And Mackenzie Gore sat down with me and Danny Ruye on our daily show on 106.7 The Fan, Grant and Danny. He was awesome. You will hear that conversation at the end of this pod as well. Plus, another home series and another series win for the Nationals who continue to play winning, impressive baseball. Let's get to it. It all starts right now. Bust, Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball, episode 76. You'll hear from C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore, but first, you get to hear from Toby Altizer. We are taping this pod on Thursday night after another win, another series victory, taking two of three from Boston. How about this, Toby? The Nationals last season finished the year 55-107 and 107 overall. Today... As we tape, their record is 55 and 67. The same number of wins, 40 games to play. Yeah, I've been very impressive watching this team and the growth from last year to this year. I mean, we've talked about it before, even just looking at the young guys, but then even just looking at the team as a whole, they're competitive and they go out there and fight their tail off every single night. And you see it in this Red Sox series. You've seen it all throughout the year, and now they've already reached their win total 40 games sooner. It's It's been an incredible year for this team because even though the win-loss record isn't spectacular, you know I wouldn't go and say that this team is a good team yet or anything like that, but compared to what the expectations were coming into this year, Grant, they've definitely overachieved, and you can see clear growth, and it doesn't even have to be with an individual player. It's just the team as a whole. This team is looking a lot better, and you can see it now in the win-loss record, the fact that they're going to blow past their win total from last year. Grant, I looked at, you know, before the season, I tweeted out that I thought maybe 65 and 97, and that would mean that they're going to go 10 and 30 over the last 40 games, and I would expect them to be better than that. So, you know, this is a team that, you know, maybe 70 wins is a little bit too uh, high of a mark, but... I mean, they could get somewhere close to that. Yeah, I think it's very much in play. And you're going to hear Mackenzie Gore talk about what you just said, which was the growth as a club, the fact that these guys are learning how to win, which I think is going to be invaluable moving on into next season. As you said, it's easy to focus individually on the building block players that 
we talk about all the time and what is you know more of an individualized sport for success, baseball than football or something like that. Because you could just say, well, C.J. Abrams has made a big leap, check. K. Barrett Ruiz has made a massive jump at the plate, check. Josiah Gray, who has had a tough second half but was an all-star and has done some really good things, check. Mackenzie Gore, you'll hear from on the pod, you know, has starts like the one he just had where he went six and a third, one hit, dominant innings, and looks like a front-of-the-rotation starter, check. James Woods got over 20 bombs. He's in double-A as a 20-year-old, looks the part, check. Brady House has had a hell of a year in the minor leagues and is on his way. Check. Dylan Cruz is hitting closer to 400 than 300 as a pro, as a number two overall pick. Check. And you, you just chalk it up and say, this has been a really successful season for this rebuild. But larger than that is, to the gore point, like they are winning and learning how to win. If all those things were happening and they had 35 wins and 87 losses, like you could possibly feel better about the future. But the fact that they're 12 within 500, and I'm not sitting here pretending like this is a wild card contender, so don't mishear me. I'm just trying to make a larger point. They are eight games back in the wild card right now. They're four games back of the Padres, who are four and a half out. They're a half game behind the Mets, who spent all the money they did before their sell-off. Like what's happening is pretty incredible. And you and I have critiqued Davey. We've critiqued the front office and Rizzo drafting player development, a lot of different things. And I think we, we are fair on this podcast. And that's what I want to be more than anything else. I want to be respectful. I want to be fair, uh, but I don't, I don't want to carry water and I don't want to be a, you know, someone who just complains about everything and confirms my priors and acts like a jerk. So we're trying to be fair. And, and I think it is important to give credit right now for this season to Mike Rizzo who goes and, and brings in Candelario, who was awesome. And, it, you know, his idea with Dom Smith, everyone says, oh, they brought him in to hit for power. No, they didn't. They brought him in to play tre tremendous defense and ideally, you know, hit for more power than he has. But to save C.J. Abrams some errors and Luis Garcia to make him better in the infield and help their young pitching, like that's happened. They bet on Manessis, even though he has not had the same year as last year. That has been a success compared to where this started as a, a minor league free agent. And that's on the veteran side, not to mention the most important stuff, the development of these young guys, the Soto trade. So I think you got to give him a lot of credit. And then how about Davey, who I have been very critical of at times and who just on last week's pod, I guess it was, I talked about not thinking is nearly as good as a manager at say, you know, as Rizzo is as a GM, but like at some point, Davey and this staff deserve credit for overachieving, right? I mean, this, team is 10 or so games maybe better than a lot of us thought they would be right now guys like stone garrett and uh the, the bullpen and you can look all around the, the team they, they're they all kind of playing a little better than we thought and the young guys are coming on and some of the 4a guys like jordan weems have had success someone deserves credit for that from a coaching standpoint and the one thing we've always said about davy tobe and you point this out a lot the team plays really really hard for this guy yeah, I mean, I'll start with Mike Rizzo because I got a Davy point here I'll hit in a second. But with Rizzo, you talked about Dom Smith, and I think it's an interesting point that you bring up that he's going to save C.J. Abrams some errors. Where would C.J. be right now if early in the season Joey Manessis was playing at first base every oh. single day and that error count was seven or eight errors higher? Yeah. You know, do we see this breakout from CJ where does he get sent to the minors at some point? Right. Exactly. Or, or, like, yeah, you have to give Mike Rizzo some credit. Yes. You might not have gotten the offensive production you would have liked out of Dominic Smith. But when you look at what CJ's done, 
him getting that security blanket at first base where not every throw had to be perfect. He was able to be saved a couple of times. And then look at what CJ's done over the last couple of months where he looks comfortable. He looks like he's now accustomed to playing in the big leagues. Like, I wonder if some of that is just he has been able to be kind of coddled along in the big leagues here. And now he's starting to break out and kind of see that guy. So I think you have to give credit where credit's due with Mike Rizzo. And obviously, you know, we're talking with uh, CJ Abrams at the end of the podcast. You have Mackenzie Gore. Those are two guys that Rizzo brought over in the Soto trade. And I think any Nationals fan will be happy with that now. So, you know, I think you have to be happy with the job Rizzo's done at least in the last year. So I think that he's someone that should stick around. And the case with Davey is when you look at what he's done this season, he has these guys playing hard. He has these guys developing. These guys are doing a good job of getting better and playing together as a ball club. My one concern with Davey, and you saw it pop up as we're recording Thursday night, you saw it pop up in this game against the Red Sox, the series finale, is some of the in-game managerial decisions kind of drive you nuts. So, you know, the, the clubhouse stuff is awesome, but this is why I held out a little reservation because in this game, Robert Garcia comes in, he ends up loading the bases, gives up the grand slam, and he leaves him in there. And I think his thought process is it's a six-man rotation. That means one less bullpen guy trying to save some arms. You know, just looking at guys that had gone back-to-back days, there were two guys that weren't available. So that means five guys in the pen are available. He had Machado up and ready to go. He's probably looking at it saying, all right, top of the order. He only needs one more out. You got Ref Schneider, and then you got Rafael Devers. And he's probably thinking, you know, hopefully he can get Ref Schneider. But if not, he can have a lefty-lefty matchup for Devers. And I just don't like that philosophy because he ends up walking Ref Snyder, gives up the home run to Devers. And so those are the sort of things where I think that Davey's a very good clubhouse manager, I think, in those sort of cases. I question his in-game decisions, and we haven't had a lot of examples of that this year, Grant, because, frankly, at times, it didn't matter what decision he made. It was probably going to be the wrong one earlier in the year with the bullpen. It was just he, he couldn't he couldn't do anything right. But now some of those sort of decisions still irk me. But then you look at it and you weigh it. And we've talked about this before. I don't know that another manager wins the World Series in 2019 with what he did. And then you look at what this clubhouse has right now, this roster has right now. If you brought in another manager, take your pick. Do they have a better record than they do right now? So, you know, I think it's a a catch-22 with Davey that. He's a fantastic clubhouse guy and gets the guys to play hard every single day. And he motivates them and keeps their, their hopes up, keeps the morale high, but sometimes he's going to have bad in-game managerial decisions. So it'll be interesting to see what they ultimately decide to do, but you know, you can't fault them if ultimately next year you roll around and Davey's still managing this team and Mike Rizzo still the general manager. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point it'd be really, really hard Uh, for a new owner to look at this rebuild midway through and say you want to go in a different direction than Rizzo, the way that this thing is going. I mean, it's been fairly clinical at this point. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like everything's been perfect or that the system is solved and fixed, but if you just look at the day they made the Soto trade, or or you go back before that, two years ago, when they made the the Turner-Scherzer deal to today, and you grade this thing, it's an A rebuild to this point. I mean, there's really no other way to grade this. You know, worst case, if if you're a really tough grader, you could say B. I'm not telling Nats fans everyone should be 
you know, all elated and, and jubilant and it's all gravy train and biscuit wheels and rainbows and sunshine. I mean, this team needs to spend money. I got major questions about the ownership. I don't know if they'll be able to sell the mass and deals a fiasco. I, I get all that. None of that has changed, but I, I think if you're coming in here, let's say you're a new owner. I think if the learners are here, it's a no brainer. You keep Rizzo, but if you're a new owner and you're looking at this right now, and you've seen that Rizzo was the architect of one championship team and they're kind of in the middle of seemingly being back toward, competing two years from now at a pretty high level with the talent they're assembling. I, I think it's you're hard pressed to move on from him. I wonder what kind of options he'll have. And if he wants to stay here, not knowing the future of ownership, I'm interested in that. I think the Davy situation is much more complicated and we'll continue to talk about that. Uh, K Barrett Ruiz behind the plate. So look, we've harped on the defense at times. The metrics are really bad for him. Third percentile pop time, sixth percentile framer. Um, but I think framing will be less important than it's ever been before in a couple of years when, you know, we have an electronic strike zone, which seems inevitable. I also think while the pop time is bad and needs to be cleaned up, you know, I'm not sure how misleading or kind of uh, hyperbolic that third percentile pop time is last year. He was like 25th percentile, which isn't good, but also isn't the disaster that this year has been. And for the most part, I, I was talking to someone who told me that the Nats arms, uh, that their time to the plate in general is around one five as a staff and one three or lower is about, you know, where you, if you're good at it, where you want to be. So I don't know how much they help him, but aside from the fact that Ruiz has a lot of work to do defensively, how about the tear he continues to be on now at the plate? He had another big home run in this series against Boston since we last spoke. He had another three-hit game today on Thursday as we tape. So if you look at the updated numbers now, over his last 30 games, he is hitting 360 with an OPS that is over 1,000. And that's 30 games. That's a sixth of a season or so. And his OPS, it's not just you know, about a thousand it's, let me do it real quick. About 1020. I mean, it's pretty amazing what he has done here for going on a fifth of a baseball season. And all of a sudden, because of that, you look at the peripherals, the numbers from, you know, what he was doing to this year. I'll say that a lot of the stuff is very, very similar in terms of walk percentage, almost identical. He's, was really hard to strike out last year. He's gotten even better at that. He's 99th percentile at baseball at avoiding strikeouts right now, which is amazing. He's 99th percentile in baseball at not swinging and missing, which is pretty astounding. He doesn't swing and miss in the zone really at all. Batting average balls and plays actually down, meaning he's been less lucky this year than last year as his average is up. But his on-base percentage is pretty much the same. The big difference for him is slug. He's gone from 360 to 416. And what I'm interested in as I look these numbers up for you know him this season, Toby, it's not like he's hitting more line drives or more loud contact. Like the hard contact last year was 28%. This year it's 29. He's hitting the ball soft less. Last year, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. His soft hit percentage is actually up this year a little bit. Um, so when you look at like, his line drive percentage, it's the same. His ground ball percentage, the same. His fly ball percentage is up minuscule. It's basically, though, that the ball's going out. Like, he's hitting more home runs now. There's more extra base hits. The slug is way up. And for this stretch, after a year and a half of you and me looking at the expected batting average and saying, doesn't really make sense. His expected batting average is 88th percentile in baseball. 
He should be hitting, according to XBA, closer to 290 than 230. I mean, he's finally having a stretch here where things are catching up. Like last year, his expected batting average was top 8% of the league at 277. And despite that, he hit, what did he hit last year? 251, I think, like 26 points below that. Yeah. This year, 280. And until this stretch, he was down around 230-something. Now he's back up to 255. He's still minus 25 points. So he's just been really, really unlucky to some extent. And this is the beauty of baseball. You know, it's starting to even out for him a little bit. Well, and something that's very intriguing. So you hear Davey talking about this. You hear it on the broadcast at times with Charlie and Dave talking about him needing to be a little more selective. He's 99th percentile in the league. You brought it up in whiff percentage. He doesn't swing and miss. The problem with that, he's 21st percentile in chase rate. So he swings at a lot of stuff that he probably shouldn't, and he can get the bat to it. You know, I I think of watching during this Boston series, Grant, there was a time when, you know, a a 3-0 counts, and Joey Manessis swings out of the zone and puts the ball in play hard at someone, ends up not being able to drive in a run. I think CJ was at third. Those are the sort of things that, Kbert hits himself in trouble with sometimes just because you can get the bat to it doesn't mean you should swing at it. You see it with guys all the time. And sometimes you want to be able to take and improve their zone swing percentage. So if the ball's in the zone, you can swing at it fine. But the thing that Kbert has done throughout the season is he'll go out of the zone and hit the ball. And some of these things, you know, the expected batting average and all these things, Grant, I mean, we, <laughs> we're we not smart enough to break down all the algorithms for it, but some of it has to do with exit velocity. And if he's able to put the barrel on the ball, but it's out of the strike zone and he's reaching for it, he's not going to be able to do as much damage as if that pitch were in the strike zone and now he can barrel it, now he can drive it out of the ballpark. And so maybe part of the reason we've seen those expected batting average numbers be higher than what his actual batting average is, is he's being more selective now and it's allowing that number, the actual number, what you're seeing on the field go up a little bit. And so it's encouraging with him because we've constantly seen that the numbers really like him, but why hasn't it worked? And it might be as simple as if he can start dialing into the strike zone and making pitchers come into the zone and he can swing at pitches there then you might see a totally different Kbert Ruiz, and hopefully it's the Kbert we've seen over the last couple of weeks and really since the All-Star break because this is the guy that if he keeps playing like this, this sort of level, this is the guy down the road that the Braves will be doing what Nationals fans do all the time and be like, how the heck are they only paying that guy that amount of money? Because this is the one guy the Nationals have gone the Braves approach and already locked him up long term which is a good thing to have a catcher, especially with a young pitching staff that you know you're going to work with for a long time, but we hadn't seen the results at the plate that made you feel encouraged about the idea that that was the guy they decided to do it with. Well, now what you're seeing over the last couple of weeks, I think you got to be excited with Kbert Ruiz being the guy that you've got around for the Nationals for the long haul. Yeah, and just to back up something you said about Kbert, uh, looking at some of the numbers, and, and Kev, uh, Kevin Franz and Nats TV and I, we're texting about this, and he sent me some of the numbers he dug up on the year versus recently. So this was this past weekend when we were texting, um, but I just pulled them up here. The season-long numbers for Kbert Ruiz show this was as of maybe six, seven days, not even, probably five days ago, uh, that he was swinging about 50%. His swing rate was 50%. Um, now, in this stretch, it's down into the 30s, to your point. So, like... 
we already know you don't swing and miss. You, you make contact when you swing. Swing at the right pitches. You know, swing when the ball's in the zone. Pitches you can do damage with. You get one pitch maybe in at bat that if you get your A swing off, could be an extra base hit or you, you could do damage with. If you swing at the wrong pitch, it's a weak, weak ground ball. It's a pop-up, right? And I think more often than not, he's swinging not only in the zone, but on pitches he could do damage with, which has been a really, really good sign. But it's just become a blast to watch him right now and the way that he's he's going about his craft. But it, it is funny to me that, I mean, there's not really, I, normally I can go through all the numbers from last year to this year and find huge differences. Like some of them are just point blank identical. Uh, for him, he's pulling the ball a little bit uh, less this season. Uh, but like we're talking about 49% last year to 44%, you know, center field, 36 to 35% opposite field, 20% to 18% uh, ground ball percentage, 41% last year, 39% this year. Fly ball was four twenty-five 25 to 24% line drive 28 to 26. So you can see what I'm saying. Like th there isn't really any major discrepancies. I, I just think that he's being selective and maybe swinging at better pitches and I think that that is a really, really cool thing for him. But, man, has he been awesome. And you throw it on the pile here with Abrams, who's been a monster in the second half. You know, him doing this. Hopefully, you get a strong finish from Gore. You get Gray back on track. But in varying degrees, all four of those guys, the most important, four most important players on the team, you know, all plus signs, I would say, this season <clears throat> on a binary, like a one or a zero, they're all ones. Maybe Luis Garcia, who's now back in the minor leagues, is the only of the you know, the top five building blocks, if you want to call them that, that you'd put a minus on on for, for this year. Speaking of Abrams, we should get into him really quick because while he didn't start today, he did pinch run, and then he immediately stole second and stole third. So my C.J. Abrams stolen base tracker that I've been keeping, so first 77 games, he stole nine bags. Last 36 games, C.J. Abrams, 24 stolen bases. Yeah, it's incredible to see this. And you'll hear, you know, I asked him about this. You'll hear the interview at the end of the podcast. I asked him about it. And you know, he talked about just getting on first and having the opportunity with no guys in front of him. I got to think there's got to be a comfortability factor, something there, Grant, because you don't go from stealing nine bags through 77 to basically stealing a bag two out of every three games. I well, mean, and it's not even like the steals too real quick. It's also like, if you look at the attempts, the percentage of the time mm -hmm. when he got on, he wasn't trying to steal. Like we would, we would just kind of throw our arms in the air on the pod and go, he's so fast. Does he yeah. know that? And it's like the, it's just zero to 100 here. I mean, it's crazy. He's become Ricky Henderson. Like he gets on and he takes off within a couple pitches. Where was that? Yeah, and I wonder if it's something where he just got more comfortable reading what pitchers were doing and getting the timing down and taking off. I don't know because, you know, he talks about having kind of that green light. Well, why did he not have the green light earlier in the year? Was it something the coaches were still working with him on? But, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's found something and he's taken off all the time. And, I mean, this is a guy, I don't know what the pace is, Grant, but if you were to look this up, I mean, this is a guy that would be among the league leaders every single year. He'd be getting around, what, 60, 70, 80 stolen bases if he were on the current pace he's been on for the last, you know, 36 games, like you said, 24. So, I mean, it's been absurd what he's been able to do. And assuming he doesn't get injured, he's going to steal 40-plus bags this year. He's a guy that going forward, 
is going to be among the league leaders year in, year out with probably 50 stolen bags. I mean, it, even the guys that are... It's a 108 stolen base pace <laughs> over 162 <laughs> since ridiculous. he started trying to steal bases before the break. But I don't, I don't know that even pitchers are trying to stop him because now they know and they can't. And well, remember, I mean, nobody's getting like the the percentage of success rate this year is like at eighty percent. That's another thing about Kbert Ruiz never throwing anybody out. Like, yeah. yeah, he's not good at it, and this staff doesn't help him. But nobody's throwing anybody out pretty much with the rule changes. Well, and that's the beauty of it, though, is like, yeah. Nothing was happening earlier in the season for the Nationals on the base paths. And now every time CJ gets on, whether it's a walk, whether it's a single, you might as well get on second base because he's stealing it. And this is kind of our point with it, Grant. If CJ were to regress back to the guy that's just a light-hitting singles guy, assuming they don't make drastic changes to this and slow down his stolen base rates, uh, okay, he gets on first base, whether it's a walk, a light single in the infield, he barely gets it through a hole, all right, well, he's on second base now. It doesn't really matter that he doesn't hit for extra base hits as much anymore if he can steal this many bags. So if you couple that with how he's been hitting, where he's hitting extra base hits and able to hit the ball out of the ballpark with the stolen bases, that becomes a guy that can become an all-star. Yeah, he has cooled back off pretty considerably, I should point out. In August in 15 games, he's hitting about 228, which is lower than his season average, but... He's had plenty of months like that since he got here and his OPS is 640, which is now pretty well back below league average. So that 891 ops in July uh, is in the rearview mirror, but the stolen bases, the aggressiveness still very much there. And I want to say too, he's played sterling defensively for the most part now for a couple of months, like any questions we never had them on this podcast about him as a shortstop, know about whether or not you know you need to start thinking about another position or can he do this all of that was I thought ill-advised and certainly uh pretty early with a 22 year old but the defense has been great he's running all over the place when you play good defense and you run like he does and you can get on base a little bit like he has you know all of a sudden if you're only hitting 240 250 not the end of the world right but ultimately I still think the plan and the hope is he could hit around 280 get on base at I don't know if he's ever going to walk a ton, but you want him to get on base if he's going to be a leadoff batter, you know, up in the mid threes and uh, Denard Span style, ideally. And, and then he can steal bags and really help create and manufacture some offense. But uh, he got the day off on Thursday as the Nats got yet another win. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Dang, zoom. Uh, how about the way Stone Garrett's been swinging the bat? couple of guys I want to call quick attention to. And again, you will hear the interview Toby did with Abrams. You'll hear my interview with uh, Danny uh, with Mackenzie Gore coming up on Busting Loose Baseball. But there's two pretty unheralded players on offense that continue to hit. So let's start with um, Stone Garrett, who had a hell of a week. He was 10 for 21 at the plate over the last six games, a 476 average, a team-high 1,400 ops. He had two homers in a game, and they were really towering bombs. But he's also doubled three times. Just an impressive last several days. You look at Stone Garrett's season totals all of a sudden as he's getting to play a little bit more. You know, Now that the dust is settled in the outfield, he's kind of emerging. His OPS is over 800 on the year. 810 mm-hmm. ops, nine home runs as a part-timer, and about 200 at-bats. You know, about a, a little more than a third of a major league season if you're an everyday player. If you're talking about a 25 homer type season with an 800 OPS, the way he swung it, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He's getting an opportunity, and it's something that when Dickerson was released, we kind of thought that it'd turn into a platoon with him and Rutherford, and Rutherford has kind of struggled. So it's given the opportunity to Stone Garrett now to face right handed pitching, which he hadn't done a whole lot this season, and really up to a certain point, it kind of struggled with. And now he's slugging against right-handed pitching. He's hitting against everyone. And, you know, I don't know uh, if there's been a swing change or a little tweak or something, but he's clearly attacking the the baseball right now. And when he makes contact, a guy of his size, it goes a long way. So I'm excited to see what he can continue to do with this opportunity because, I mean, who knows if he's going to be the, you know, part of the future with this baseball team or another, but it's cool to see guys when they get an opportunity at the big league level, just from a human standpoint, go out there and have success and show that they can be a big league ball player. Backup catcher Riley Adams is the other guy I wanted to mention. Uh, He got the start in a day game. It was a getaway day, Riley Adams day, another two hits, another two RBI. This is his season totals. Now this is not like his last five games. Now, he barely ever plays, which I'd like to still find a way to change a little bit. A 310 batting average and a 927 OPS. Not a great framer according to the metrics, 15th percentile, but big target. I know the Nats like the way he handles himself behind the plate. He's also been very good with his pop time. He's 73rd percentile with his pop time compared to 3rd percentile for Ruiz. Max exit velocity for him is up around 65, 66 percentile. So he can barrel the baseball and do some damage. He's a big guy, obviously, 6'4". He weighs 255, 260 pounds. He's only 27. It's not like he's in his mid-30s. They've got some catchers coming in the system, so we'll see what ends up becoming the plan moving forward with Riley Adams. But especially against lefties, when he's in the lineup, I fully expect him to get a hit. Like, that is a pick-to-click Fandle parlay. Riley Adams is getting a hit today. It's a day game and a lefty's on the mound, and I feel good about it. Yeah, 100%. And it's something that he's going to be a part of the future, at least for the next couple of years, you'd think, with this team. Like you mentioned, maybe you got some catchers coming up. Is it something that 
you could maybe teach him first base or something like that because you'd love to have his bat in the order. I mean, every single time he's well, in the why lineup, can't he DH he hits. a little bit. You know, and, uh, like yeah. Manessis probably is not your. I guess they could do the Manessis thing again next year if they wanted to, but to me, you know, there's you get him a couple starts a catcher here and there, maybe an occasional start at first if he can play the position. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Maybe a DH spot here or there, but like I'm not saying he would do this all year long. But as long as he keeps doing it, isn't there an obligation to figure out how you can get him a couple more at bats? I mean, the guy has played very little. His war is over one, according to baseball reference. A guy that's played in 105 at bats or something around there. How many Nats have a war of one? I wonder. It, it's absolutely incredible what he's been able to do. And like you said, every single time he goes out onto the field, you're thinking, okay this guy's going to come up with a hit today or he's going to go yard or he's going to come up with a big spot and he's going to come through and you got to find ways to get him at bats. Hopefully not at the expense of Cabot Ruiz. It's unfortunate that they're, you know, at the same position. And so you can't just immediately throw Riley Adams in there more, but I mean, credit to him, the way that he's been playing, he's forcing himself into the lineup in a way, even though they're not really doing that, but that's the kind of thing that you like to see again, Another cool thing about this baseball team, guys getting opportunities and coming through. Uh, anything else big league level before we dip down to the minors? Uh, I mean, we haven't touched on it a lot, but it is something to monitor with the six-man rotation, and I think that's a really good thing for the young pitchers in the staff. I mean, namely Mackenzie Gore, who's blowing past his career high in innings pitched in a, in a season. So, you know, I think it's a good thing to limit that, but it is also something to note with the bullpen going forward, if Davey does some of the things like I talked about, where he maybe leaves a guy in a little bit longer to try to save some arms, that's probably part of the reason why, because they're one arm less in the bullpen and another extra in the rotation. Yeah, I, that comes up in the conversation. You guys will hear with Mackenzie Gore, as uh, Toby's been telling you. Uh, you'll hear from C.J. Abrams, who he talked to, Gore, who I spoke to uh, here at the end of the pod. Um, all right, real quick, couple of notes from the minors then. First, DJ Hers, who's the lefty who came over in the Jamer Candelario deal from the Cubs, dealt last night in the minor leagues. This was his best start of the year, in fact. Uh, he faced one over the minimum and five overpowering innings for the Nationals. Um, this is kind of him at his best, right? We said probably ultimately ends up a reliever, but there is some upside and hope here that he could be a starter. The strikeout rate's unbelievable. It's a career 178 average in the minors, 5.6 hits per nine. No one's ever hit him. The problem is he walks a lot of guys. Not yesterday, five innings, one hit, shutout ball, no walks, and 10 strikeouts for him uh, just acquired in that Candelario deal, the number 16 prospect in the system. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, the strikeouts have obviously been there. That's something we talked about when he was acquired. But the big thing was, okay, he might strike out a lot of guys, but he walks a lot of guys too. So the big thing, no walks. That's what you want to see. That was double A, by the way. I mean, it's not like you're doing that in A ball. That That's a pretty nasty outing. Mm -hmm. um, another thing worth talking about would be that Jake Bennett returned for the Nationals in the minor leagues. Uh, it wasn't a particularly productive or, or long re return where he pitched four or five innings. Uh, pitched an inning plus, I think, got hit a little bit, gave up a couple runs. But this is a big deal. He's the 22-year-old that they drafted in the second round at pick number 45 last year, basically the Yoandi Morales area where they took Yoandi this year at 40. 
Um, Bennett got off to an incredible start in the minor leagues, mostly at Fredericksburg, got bumped up to Wilmington. He was shoving against A-ball guys. Uh, 2.02 ERA, including yesterday's return in 13 starts, 58 innings, 72 strikeouts. The Nats were super coy with what was wrong with him, but they obviously shut him down for several weeks, didn't let him pitch, and so it's pretty obvious that something was afoot that they didn't like with that arm. Uh, but he's back, he's healthy, and I'm sure they'll keep him on some type of you know short leash the rest of the way. But just get thought was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He hadn't pitched since June 24th, got back out on the mound August 16th. So almost a couple full months, almost two full months approaching that, just a week less than that. So obviously something was going on there, but I'd rather have some abundance of caution because this is a guy that – He's shown that he can feast against his lower levels. Let's see what he can do against some of the the higher levels once he gets there. But he looks like he could be someone that could add to the back of this rotation when he gets up there. So I'm excited to see what he can continue to do. And I'm, I'm glad that he was able to get back out and finish the season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we told you you'd hear from C. J. Abrams. It is time to let you do that on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Toby caught up with them over at Nats Park. Toby Altizer here with National Shortstop C.J. Abrams. You've really turned it around the last couple of months. Has there been something that has clicked for you? Is there a specific approach change? Like, what's been the difference for you over the last couple of months? Probably the biggest thing is uh, that leadoff spot. I was just more comfortable and get more ABs earlier on in the game. You know, just give me a chance to get on base, steal bases, and make things happen for the team. Yeah, what's that been like? Obviously, stolen some bases earlier in the year, but as of late, you're just every single time you get on, it seems like you're stealing a base. What's that been like for you up there? I mean, you got to get on first, right? You can't steal first. So, you know, I've been getting on base with no one in front of me lately and, you know, just getting on to that, into that scoring position. Was there something uh, Davey talked about during that Texas series when you first got put in that leadoff spot, calling you into the office and basically challenging you to be the leadoff hitter for this baseball team? What was that meeting like, and is that just a comfortability factor that's kind of allowed you to break out over the last couple of months? Yeah, for sure. He called me in and um, told me he believed in me and know that's where I belong. So, you know, I'll just go out there and do my thing, and good things will happen. And with the stolen bases, is that something that you're just feeling more comfortable out there and now you're able to take off? Is that something that the coaches wanted you to do more? Like, what's led to the uptick in stolen bases? Getting on first base. Um, I've been getting on base more with no one in front of me, so it's kind of free to run, and you know, I just take off whenever I can. 
And last thing for you, it seems like with everything over the last couple of months, I know it's, you know, I've talked about that a little bit with you, but it just seems like everything is sort of clicked, obviously at the plate, stealing bases, and even defensively. Is there just a comfortability factor that's really helped you now? Yeah, for sure. You know, not thinking too much. It's a game, can't be thinking too much or you're going to fail more. And it's a game of failure, so you don't want to kind of stack onto it with the overthinking process. So just go out there and have fun and play the game and everything will happen how, it, how it's supposed to. Toby, what was your big takeaway there? What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, he just seems like everything's clicking. And I think with everything that he's been able to do, he talks about just getting into that leadoff spot. And I thought it was interesting the way that he talked about part of the reason I've been successful is getting back into leadoff. And I think that comes with some of the comfortability factor that I talked about with him is that he's comfortable being the leadoff hitter and it's spilled over into every portion of his game. And so I'm excited to see him going forward and credit again. We talk about Davey a lot here. Credit to Davey again for realizing, hey, this guy's starting to figure it out a little bit. Let's challenge him, put him in the leadoff spot and see what happens. And it's been nothing but good things really since he's been up there arrow trending up on C.J. Abrams. Hopefully the same the rest of the way with Mackenzie Gore after he threw six and one-third innings of one-hit ball this week. He was on Grant and Danny, the daily D show, C show that I do with Danny Ruye. Uh, we started the conversation talking about him having to leave his last start in the seventh while mowing down Boston because of a blister. Um, yeah, just a little blister popped up. Uh, so we're, we should be fine for the next one. Uh, was there blood on the ball? Uh, there was blood on the finger. I don't know if it was on the ball or not. Because I think that's badass a little bit. Um, but just a little blister. We'll, we'll be all right. How do pitchers go about avoiding and making sure that's not an issue? Because it, it's funny. I talked to a guy one time. There was a pitcher I knew who had those issues, like, reoccurring throughout yep. his career. Mm -hmm. And he would have, like, not only manicures, but he's filing his yep. nails, and he's always checking his fingers. Like, there's a maintenance to it that we don't really get, I think, sometimes as fans. Uh, yeah. And that's something I've dealt with through my career, too. I, you know, I missed a year, you know, most of the year in 18 over nail and blister issues. So I've, I've figured out how to kind of make it work. Um, but when you're sweating, you know, you, the, the skin kind of tends to get so I, got, I have bad skin for whatever reason. And uh, it just got soft last night, and then the blister happened. So During the course of a day like yesterday, when do you know? In other words, are you in the bullpen going – I am nasty today. Like, are, are you nasty at breakfast? Like, did you eat your cereal better? Um, like, when does it turn on? Well, I, I always want to think I'm going to be nasty that day. But it's just kind of one of those things I felt good, uh, and then it just it kept going. And um, it, was, it was just one of those days where it just I was executing pitches, and, you know, and we were rolling. So It feels different, though, on the mound on a night. I don't mean the results that are obvious. But your last start, as an example, at Philly – was the opposite, where as good as your stuff is, it seemed like they had your number. This is the flip side. Like, you can tell releasing the baseball and just as you're going about your craft, regardless of what they're doing, last night that it was better, it was different? Uh, yeah, th I mean, the biggest thing is their swings were a lot worse yesterday. Uh, Philly just put good swings. Uh, I, I, you know, I threw strikes in Philly. They just hit the strikes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yesterday I, I was – getting ahead of guys they were they didn't put good swings on it and uh it's a lot easier to pitch with two strikes when you know so Mackenzie Gore with us here live in left field on uh Grant and Danny so we mentioned Philadelphia and I, I want to harp on the, on the good here more than anything else but those starts are aberrations 
Is, is there a comfort level there? Just It's just different pitching in different ballparks. I think it's something we underrate as pudgy media guys. You're just on my television screen. But everything is different in, in some ways. Is there a comfort level in certain parks over over others? Uh, I mean, I feel, I feel comfortable there, but for some reason I, I've given up a couple touchdowns in Philly this year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just the way it's happened, which, that, you know, that's a lot of runs. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, just it, it's stuff happens. Yeah. Good or bad, you got to get ready for the next one. How do you feel about this season? I, you you got to like a lot of what's happened. You, you've been durable. You're taking the ball every five days. They're now making it a little bit more days between yep. starts with a six-man rotation. But 141 strikeouts in 123 innings and an ERA a little over four. If I'd have told you this before the year, you, you might have signed up for it. But, like, what do you like? What don't you like about how the year's gone so far? Uh, yeah, I'll start on the positive things. Just um, We're striking guys out. The walk rate has gotten better. As the yeah, season's very gone. much so. Um, but I mean, the, really, the thing that you kind of circle is that the big outings where I've given up, you know, the big numbers uh, of runs. Those are kind of frustrating. It hasn't necessarily been as consistent as any of us would have liked for it to be. But it's really just those blow-up outings that have kind of hurt the, you know, numbers for se. So. As someone on the outside coming into the year, knowing this would be a rebuild season for me, CJ. K. Barrett Ruiz, Josiah, yourself, like those are the guys who I'm most interested in seeing develop. I feel like you flash that front of the rotation ace-type stuff, highest upside pitcher in this organization right now. And I've kind of seen enough to feel like, okay, have another offseason, build up arm strength, come back next year, you're a front of the rotation-type arm. Are you there in your confidence right now? Do you feel like there's still some things you need to do to feel like you could be a number one-type guy going into next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to say this and this come off the wrong way, but I feel like I could be that coming in, going into this year. Um, I'm honest with myself, I, but I also watch baseball and I understand I do have good stuff and yeah. I can do things uh, on the mound that, you know, that's what the good guy, the good pitchers do in this league. But they don't have as many six-run outings as I've had this year, and that's like the, that's the biggest difference. Um, I've been really good, and then the next one will just kind of – not be great is how it's been up to this point. So just let's minimize the damage a little bit, and we, we should be all right. So, McKenzie, you guys since the All-Star break as a team yeah. are 18 and 13. Yeah. I think 11 and 5 over your last 16 games. And, you know, there you are kind of at the, the tip of the spear taking the ball every fifth day. What's been the difference? Because this, right now this club is a blast to watch. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, I feel like we've been doing things the right way all year. Um, and we had a group that's, you know, we're young. That's not an excuse, but it's reality. Is, it is. That's what it was, and I think we've just gotten better. I think everybody in the clubhouse has gotten better, not just the young guys. I think everyone's playing better than they did a year ago. Um, and we just get along. We have fun. We pull for each other. Um, you know, I think, it, yeah, the All-Star break's been good. But then I think even a little bit before that, you know, that, I think that San Diego series, when we won that one, I think we've just played good baseball since um, – since then, I, I, you know, I don't know what the record is, but it felt like we clicked on that because we, we were struggling, went through a little tough stretch, and then we kind of won that series, and since then we've played well. If you guys win today, you'll be 55-67. and 67. Last year you guys were 55-107 and 107 at the end of the year. Yeah. So with 40 games left, that would equal their win total. And you just talked about this, but C.J. Abrams, night and day from last year. K. Bert Ruiz hits home run number 15. He's mashing right now. Night and day offensively. 
from last year. Josiah Gray was an all-star this year. Your progression, obviously, and, and being able to get you on the mound. You obviously weren't here yep. throwing throughout the season. But it's not just the building blocks. Link Thomas is having a career year. I, I wonder, we still view you guys, we're like, man, the Nats are, this is five weeks of playing over their heads. This is five weeks of being a pain in the butt for everyone. You kind of maybe view this as just what you are now. Uh, yeah, I, I, the biggest thing, when we started this year, the it was like, yeah, look, nobody expects us to win, but we are capable of winning. We have talent in the clubhouse. Uh, but there's also a development part of learning to win, uh, and we're doing that. We've done that. Uh, we lost a lot of close games. Early. How do you do that? It, Is it a matter of going through losses? Yep. and Okay. Just learning from mistakes, learning from why did we lose this game, why did we win this close game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we did. I mean, we started off rough, but we also, in that stretch, lost a lot of close games. Um, and we're winning those right now. The walk-offs, the last night, 2-2, two to two, and what was it, the eighth inning, and we won that game. And, uh, and we're just doing the little things better. We're not doing things to hurt ourselves and uh, lose games. So, Mackenzie Gord with us here on G&D. So here, you're a really nice dude, and we've got a chance to talk to you a couple different times. You're a really pleasant guy, thoughtful, nice dude. Out there, though, you're mean, and we on this show happen to love that. Is that something that you've – when does that lock in for you? Like, the, the, again, start of the day, because I always tell the story, I said hi to Max Scherzer by accident one day that he was pitching, and I thought he, I thought I was going to die. Like, like it, was, it was the cardinal sin, I'll never make that mistake again. Is that kind of how you are on game days? Uh, you can, uh, people, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more quiet than I am the other four days. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's just the southeastern North Carolina in me that comes out when I pitch or, or what. But uh, that's that's something also I have to control at times. Um, but, yeah, I, I just like to compete. I like, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I'm just – I'm competitive. So. I'm interested that you said that because there is this fine line, right, <laughs> where I remember early in Strauss's career, it seemed like things would pile up on him, like that big inning. And when he clicked into being – Cy Young caliber pitcher was when instead of the errors behind him leading to him being annoyed or mad, like you got out of that jam. We've seen Josiah this year. Yep. Strand runners constantly. Things will happen behind him. It doesn't seem to phase him. You're a guy who runs hot, though. Yep. I think for the most part you've controlled it well. Like yep. It's not like it's you're running around yelling at people. But what is that like for you? Because you do seem to have more of that angry energy on the hill, so to speak. Yeah, yeah most of that's toward myself. Um, and, and I don't – even the big innings I've had, I don't necessarily think uh, – there was one time in Philly where the game sped up on me. I didn't cover first. That one, I still think about that every day. Um, and it led to that <laughs> six-run wow. six inning. I'd forgotten about that, um, but that's right. I do yeah. remember that now. But uh, So that still eats at you that you didn't yeah, cover first? Yeah, that's just like one of the little things that – that could have been a three-to-one game out of that inning. That would have been two outs. Then they hit a sack fly, but it wasn't. But anyway, that one's over with. Um <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, just – yeah, at times I get frustrated. But I, I don't necessarily think that's why some of my innings have been the way they are. I think sometimes I've just given up hits at really bad times and they've scored some runs. So Fastball velocity, 73rd percentile. Whiff percentage, 70th percentile in baseball. Strikeout percentage, 75th percentile this year for Mackenzie Gore. Are you into numbers and analytics and, and looking at, you know, your your pitch shapes and all that, or are you pretty old uh, school? No, no, no. I think, I think that stuff's important. I mean, I think there's a there's a reason baseball's been played for a certain way for a long time, but there's also we have more resources than we've ever had. I think it's important to use them. Uh, 
So I, I like using both. I think they're both very important. I think the analytics, they tell you. They don't lie. The, like Yes, there's sometimes you look at numbers and there's a lot more to it when it comes to like ERA, but then they have they have a lot of numbers now that kind of tell you the whole, a lot of the story. So, um, but yeah, I think the stuff pitch shapes. I think that's important. Pitch usage percentages, all that. I think that's a big way to learn and kind of grow as a player and a pitcher. So how much is that? Just thinking about percentages, right? Because different yeah. starts. Some day the curveball more. Some day slider more. Some yeah. day you know see the, that that change up fastball whatever. How much of that is your feel that day versus scouting report that day versus, you know, hey, maybe pregame in the bullpen. You know what? My changeup feels like crap. Yeah. I don't care what the scouting report says. That's probably not a good thing to throw. Yeah. Walk me through that. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, we all, we have a game plan going in. We know what the hitters are good at. We know what, uh, what we're good at. <laughs> and uh, and then there is a feel thing, that which is important, especially when, you know, the curveball and slider, the, you know, stuff's good. So, Sometimes it's just what are we aggressive with, what's doing, what it's supposed to do. and But the biggest thing is we're going to try to get it where they do what they're supposed to do every time we go out there. Yeah. Um, and they're getting better. The off-speed has been, made a big jump from last year, which is one of those things we can say we're a little better at. Um, the off-speed's been consistent. Um, we're sprinkling the change up a little bit. Uh, so, Mackenzie Gore's not a new guy anymore. Came over last year in the Soto deal. That deal for the Nationals looks like it is completely revitalized, not only the minor league system, but the major league. Reshaped what everything. He and, and C.J. Abrams have done. How about D.C.? I mean, are you – you got your places you like to go now? You got places when you get the rare day off you get to go eat? Like, uh, how have you taken to the city? Yeah, D.C.'s cool. Uh, you know, I was a beach guy, so when I got here I had to – you know, I was I was in San Diego on off days with my feet in the sand. But I've, I like D.C. D.C.'s a cool place, um, I, you know, Grabbing a beer or bite to eat after a game, like it's cool. Um, Are you a dive bar guy? Like sit at the bar? Or do you like? Yeah, to I, like go? I like to sit at a bar. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, and that's been cool to get to know the city. Um, yeah. Restaurants are great. Food's great, and uh, so I've had some fun. I, you know, I, I love this place. Off night, who are the buds you're gonna hang out with from the team? Like you guys are gonna go grab a steak or something? Uh, me and PC hang out a lot. Um, Lane Thomas, but. You know, they have families. So sure, me, sure. me and Stone Garrett spend a lot of time together. Um, Stone Garrett. He's just so handsome. So, he's uh, one of he's our so favorite. He's so handsome. Good guy, too. He, uh, you know, his little his real estate, little run at real estate he had, he, you know, he's good. At, he's he's smart. Yeah. And yeah, good-looking guy. So uh, me and him, we kind of – us two run together a lot. You guys probably do okay together. I bet you do fine. Uh, Stone, <laughs> what is this real estate thing you're talking well, about? Well, and what was it? I don't know if y'all – it's out there. People know. Um, I, I don't know what year – 20 maybe he got into real estate or something. After, oh, right. yeah. I had no so idea. So he was in real estate and then he got back into baseball. Oh, he was like a realtor. Yeah. That was like what he was doing when he didn't know if he was going to get to keep yeah. playing oh, baseball. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. During the pandemic. So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Was he good at it? I don't know. <laughs> probably better probably, at baseball. Probably. Yeah. Did he try to sell you a house? <laughs> What's your cheat meal? What's your go-to uh, meal you like to eat celebrating a big start? Um – I would say pizza, I guess. I'd okay. rather just have a steak or some sushi. I like eating nice. I like going out to eat and uh, Don't we all? having yeah, a nice meal. You you know? what, what kind of pizza are we eating, though? I'm a thin crust Hawaiian guy. Thin crust Hawaiian I pizza? Love it. I, I love didn't it. have that from McKenzie I, w- I would never have guessed in a million years. I'm not a meat lovers kind of guy. Well, I, you know, meat lovers is cool, too. But I, I'm a, I like my pineapple and my ham, and I'm good to go. All right. What is your eating contest food? Like, I think everybody's got one where you could eat more than anybody would think. 
I would have to just go sushi, I guess. Yeah. Um, I would probably not be very good in that, but I would go sushi. Last TV show you binged? Suits. For the Why is everybody time. watching Suits? So it made this huge Netflix yeah, move yeah. and a huge comeback, I mean, I kind it a of, long right? Time ago. Yeah. Or Yellowstone, maybe. Okay. But you know how you had to wait for the new episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just everyone's now talking about Suits. I feel like it's an old show. No, I've watched it like three times. Okay, yeah, is yeah. it? I should watch it. You it's should good? watch it. Yeah, but you better. There's long. There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> this is the problem. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't need to know about my thing. But my thing is, if I've got like 80 sh- episodes to catch up on, I'm out. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I, feel. I need two or three seasons but, or less. Yeah, that's otherwise fair. it's overwhelming. Yeah, it is. I agree. Uh, all right, some superlatives from the team. We'll let you go on this. Uh, you go out to dinner with a bunch of the guys. The dude who's most likely to walk out right when the bill comes, like, and, and have a phone call. We don't have any of those guys. Really? No, we don't. All right, who's most likely to put down their credit card to take the bill? I mean, well, you know, I Corbin. Pay, he should. He, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but, every, you know, everybody offers. They, everybody wants to. They're like, we don't want Corbin to just pay for it. Do you do that stretch and reach, like, let me get this one, nah, like in slow-mo? we mean it. We mean it. <laughs> you guys play a little credit card roulette? Yeah, he's like, nah. No. So. Good for Corbin. Good for Corbin. Worst dressed, best dressed on the team. Best yeah. style, worst style. Best dressed. I like Dom. You know, Dom. Uh, worst. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Safe space. I've got some good ones here, but I'm, I'm going to keep it. Worst dressed. Ugh. Y'all put me on the spot here. I mean, you've got to <laughs> sm- you're obviously thinking about it. You've got it, man. I've got a good one, but I, I <laughs> what are the initials? Nah. What does his name rhyme with? Um, what position does he play? Look, I'm just going <laughs> to give Harvey the worst dress just because we'll it's Harvey. And, there we and, go. And he can take it. I'm going to go with go. Harvey. He'll be just fine. Uh, if somebody had to do a five-minute stand-up set at the DC Improv tonight from the roster, who would it be? Who would you pick to be the funniest five minutes? Stone. Stone might be good. Let's go, Stone Garrett. Stone Garrett. Yeah. It luck. might be him. It might be Trevor. Trevor would – I think Trevor will be good too. Trevor Williams. Williams. Good. Okay, yeah. cool. I like that. Well, Mackenzie, it's been awesome watching you all season. You were just dominating Nails. last night. It's a great start. Appreciate the time and uh, stay healthy the rest of the way and look forward to seeing you back on the hill. Yep. Thank you all. What a relief it was, Toby, that it was just a blister. When he threw that change up back to the screen, meltdown from Nat's Twitter. Everyone was fearing the worst, but pretty quickly. I think we all realized what was going on. And he mentioned this interv- interview, but I remember he had hellacious issues with blisters and fingernail stuff in his hand in the minor leagues. So this has been a struggle for him kind of throughout that he has gotten uh, control of and harnessed, but it's clearly something he's got to deal with and battle with. Yeah, it's a little concerning that he says he deals with this a lot, but I'm sure they'll try to figure this out more going forward. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it worries you when he throws a pitch as wayward as he did and immediately the trainer and Davey run out of the dugout to see what's going on. But luckily, it's something that hopefully shouldn't hinder him from making his next start. And it's really a shame, Grant, because he looked like he was on his way to his best outing of the year. And, you know, he had that incredible outing out in Kansas City, and it looked like he was going to be able to match that and maybe even better it. Maybe if he could have got a quick out there, or a couple quick outs there in the seventh, maybe go out for the eighth. Maybe they would have just cut his you know night finished at – the end of the seventh, but it's a disappointment that he wasn't able to finish that thing, but it's also a good thing that he's all right. Yeah, he absolutely uh, is going to continue, you would think, to take the ball and go out there and say he's fine. So 
they got to keep track of him, protect him from himself. I also loved hearing that he's still kicking himself mm -hmm. weeks later after the mental mistake he made against the Phillies. That tells you a lot about the guy, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's just now, and we knew this about him, but just to kind of hear it out of his own mouth uh, is incredible. Now it's just about channeling that into getting better and making sure it doesn't, you know, boil over. But I think they're working on that and I'm excited just to hear that kind of mentality out of a guy that young is pretty impressive. That'll do it for Boston Loose Baseball, episode 76. Please spread the word to other Nats fans. Let them know that we do this twice a week. We always have a pod posted for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays, and we try to get them up on Monday and Thursday evening for you. Uh, so let people know that. Spread the word. Please subscribe if you haven't done that wherever you get your audio. Feel free to rate, drop five stars for us, and drop a little review. Remember, any comments that get left uh, about the pod will get read on the show. We will do that next week. We're also going to look ahead to September and some possible calls to the major leagues as well. For producer Darius Dameron and Toby Altizer, I'm Grant Paulson saying so long. Thanks for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball. <laughs>